Hello, welcome to the Odelay Show. It is August 20, 2014. <clears throat> Rather than an interview today, this is another editorial edition of the show. Uh, as I hearken back to an op-ed piece I wrote last summer, and which is still intact in the World Wide Web at such places as the Brazewell Communications website, FusePowder.com, uh, my blog at FleshyTurquoise.tumblr.com, and will be included in the forthcoming book, Embedded Alive, First Person Journalism in the Continental United States, 2013 and 2014, uh, by yours truly due out this fall. Meanwhile, I've solicited 2014 Libertarian candidate, a Libertarian with a capital L candidate for Arizona Governor Barry J. Hess uh, to participate in a feature interview on the Odelay show uh, in the coming days or weeks, so I'm hoping to have him as the next guest. Barring that, the docket is open. So if you're interested in advertising on the show or booking an interview, contact me and we can discuss the merits of, of those options. Um, hoping all enjoyed the most recent interview with uh, former Graham County, Arizona Sheriff Richard Mack. Um, some very illuminating things to say regarding um, due process of law. Um, and proper interpretation of um, the United States Constitution. Um, uh, frankly, it pierced the veil for me. Well, it it further uh, drew back uh, the curtain where the veil might have already been pierced for me with respect to um, the lay of the land at hand uh, politically um, and helping me, for example, and hopefully the listener uh, uh, to the interview, understand um, where one stands and uh, in the context of uh, um, civil rights uh, natural rights and and um, you know and how that may or may not depending on where you are where you live how that may or may not differ from from what you're actually experiencing um, all in all generally I would say that the content of that interview that conversation with with Mr. Mack was essentially good news um, because it it defines um, clearly, uh, unequivocally, really, um, um, you know how to move forward, um, and clarifies some some facts that are otherwise muddy. Um, with respect to interpretation and the role of uh, government agency, and actually how to it's defined, um, as I frequently caution regarding the personification of of the government um you know it is it is a protocol and the government is you and me and goes no further for example you and me you and i you and your neighbor than it needs to in order to serve you and your neighbor for example as an intellectual tool um, um and any time that it goes beyond that at all it is completely and totally 
beyond scratch. Um, and, you know, um, otherwise what you have is a thing called slavery or bondage. Um, today's editorial, as I mentioned uh, uh, from last summer, goes into the forthcoming book due out this fall. Uh, titled, uh, Work, Defining What is Not Equitable Labor. Maintaining an overarching theme about the importance of operating in the context of good faith and right equity in order for community systems to function practically and appropriately requires ongoing consideration of such subjects as uh, symbolism and currencies and the marketplace of ideas, economies and supply and demand in particular, I would note from my vantage as a media scholar the importance of these subjects as they correlate to, for example, respect for the power of information or knowledge just in the general sense and the auditing of information transport and its custody and meaning and the context and sense of, of intellectual marketplaces in defining knowledge and translating and transporting information. Um, Nevertheless, all of that being said, it is not possible to consider the context of all the foregoing aspects of our lives and our, our community uh, and, and its governance without also considering the relevance of labor in the same critical light. Bearing in mind that currency is a symbol of value attached to goods or services in a marketplace, at least our currency, uh, United States dollar, in order to preclude the actual use of laborers and artisans as legal tender, then it follows that something is wrong when a currency or when our currency does not reflect the heart and objective best interest of its underwritten workers. And perhaps the clearest editorial angle here is to observe what labor and work are not in order to more closely approach the heart of the question uh, of what it is and, and, and how it fits into our world. So currency and work ethically representing the value of labor. So when communications or transportation infrastructure is built privately in good faith, for example, and sub subsequently its holders contract its use to people in the marketplace who, number one, wish it to use it to communicate signals and who, number two, do not possess their own such infrastructure, then the situation appears to qualify as a simple two-party service agreement that reflects the interests of both the owners and users of the infrastructure for argument's sake. But... If any market transaction is not a strictly in-kind transaction, exchanging goods and or services, and subsequently it involves any currency which does not have a clear or overtly stated representatively exact value of what is being exchanged, then a major economic philosophical problem manifests. And that is, a currency floated or constituent to a given transaction should have a one-for-one -one value exchange rate with respect to the value of what is being tendered in order that the transaction can be thought of as occurring in good faith. So either, more specifically, either one, a fair deal you know, closes or a loan has been made and debt's created. All right? Um, that's what the currency's done in this in this uh, example, a transaction cannot be both. You can't close a deal and have created debt. Um, currency is a uh, key element in a non-slave labor force. Currency must be underwritten to represent the actual value of goods or services. And such value can only be attached to a currency through direct correlation with either goods or labor capacity or the labor force itself. So, 
erroneous conflation of representative valuation. So another example. So government builds or authorizes a railroad on, on, on state land or public land. Okay, right of way on the continent. Its engineering and technical maintenance is performed by certain technicians and the operating model is structured to conform to environmental and market parameters all in good faith, right? Arguably for this example. All of this seems to be a legitimate culmination of an effort by the labor force provided that the materials, rights of way, and personnel are soundly applied. For an organization to exchange for or agree to buy or rent logistical railroad right-of-way for its own business purposes is one thing. However, uh, for an organization to procure logistical railroad right-of-way in order to in exchange, uh, exchange it for the purposes of cash profit on the market is not an act of equitable labor um, if the labor is the constituency, the people. Okay, in charge, yeah. rather than a piece of paper or a construct. So cash profit is, in essence, a nonsensical term, particularly if the profit sought is of by the same units of currency that underwrote the development and maintenance of a respective asset. Cash is a tool. Money is a tool. Currency is a tool. The United States dollar is a tool. Um, and I've said this before. You know, profiteering is a kind of racketeering. And it's also philosophically erroneous you know uh, it's like hoarding wrenches such a transaction is a crime against the economy and a crime against those vested in it the laborers um, and laborers clerical staff it does not represent the conscience of the labor force moreover nothing has been innovated no new service vector has been enabled and nothing has been made easier through any such activities of the entity that is operating as nothing more than a holding company for the purposes of um, generating currency script and calling that profit. People involved in such businesses are not performing work. That is, they're not apparently acting in good faith for the benefit of the marketplace or for the laborers nor for the providers of good or service and the currency tool either. That represents said providers. Such behavior only serves to damage the economy or destroy it outright. And the efficacy immediately, the efficacy of the currency and the vested parties it represents, which include the labor force. So to allow such a transaction is an abandonment or, abandonment or shortfall of a natural regulatory aspect of an economy uh, where there is a labor force, enabling detachment from equity and value in certain operating sectors of an economy. It was cottage industry. White-collar crime, the mob, the actual work and its representative agreements that were involved with the development of the infrastructure and technology simply is not an interchangeable or exchangeable with any, nor is it exchangeable with any debauched, after-the-fact, derelict currency derivative script brought into being by transacting goods and services for profit. Think of pink sheets instead of goods and services for other goods and services. Okay, to transact for profit destroys the value of the asset being profited from, as well as the system that engendered the asset, thereby, and as well as the, its constituents, the labor force, and thereby degrades and its users, thereby degrades the economy to which the asset was constituent. I'm conflating two such definitions of currency, all right? Labor value equitable currency versus derelict currency derivatives causes inflation, that is, value, value equitable currency is ruined, among other negative consequences, and thus labor becomes disenfranchised from its own strong suit. 
and that is representations of its work. Um, such monetary profiteering is the most perfect example of an assault against the labor force and an overall economy, and thus against the nation, if you might, that I can conceive of, you know, in, in this context. So where they are allowed, such holding companies and transactions must be stopped, and their perpetrators and enablers are welcome to try and find a star system, I wrote, somewhere far from here where their dung-heap economic philosophy would be given quarter by some mysterious people who do not mind having their labor representative currencies get mucked up. So you, they can go tax themselves elsewhere out of my hair. Either that or it is a bold-faced and malicious assault against it, a nation, a system, an economy that should be quickly dealt with right here on our own local rights of way. So strong-arm theft, burglary, and coercion, road agent solicitation. So as a general rule, the committing of crimes or doing anything else in bad faith is not equitable work either. Theft of goods, materials, and services is not honest work. Robbery is not an act of equitable labor. And clandestinely generating fiscal liquidity through the spoofing of billable accounts is not work. Beating or killing people or animals or the destruction of property without just cause, there can be one, is not equitable labor. Simply duplicating or creating facsimiles of currency script is not an act of equitable labor. Equitable labor, rather, it is an assault on the economic system, its labor force, and anyone vested in the marketplace. Currency replication, <clears throat> for its own sake, is as fruitless and misguided as are panhandlers who ask for coins instead of asking for food and shelter. There is much talk about currency on this page because the currency represents the labor force and its collective spoils, so to speak, and so it carries a direct correlation with the gravity of the labor force in a given market. So any appropriation of the currency that is not in the best interest of the marketplace that facilitates and is facilitated by its constituents, such as the labor force, <clears throat> is never appropriate nor justifiable, and it is always, at best, grotesquely suspicious. I don't even know if it's, if it's that good. I can't think. Yeah, so anyway, anytime, anytime you see where it's not that way, where you know it is suspect, clearly something's wrong. Someone's lying to you, you're being stolen from. Another example of what is not work, um, someone else's work is not one's own work. Okay, Even if a person decides to say that it is, when it's not. And also not because that person wrote down somewhere that they had decided on, that although it was not their work, they nevertheless wanted it to be theirs, and so therefore it was theirs. Okay, for example, someone else's work is not one's own work because some, I wrote, mud-covered asshole from out of state was compelled to pen purple prose describing someone else's efforts or results of equitable labor as one's own. A reasonable person might, unclose, you know, a reasonable, reasonable person might suppose that there need be no reason to iterate what seems to be such a common-sense distinction. However, as it turns out, it must be carefully iterated among certain companies. That such activities do not count as equitable work in good faith. Ask any, I don't know, knowledgeable person who understands the nature of time, space, and good faith and equity, and she will iterate to you that each and every instance of such attempted intellectual property theft stands to be studiously attended to and gloriously corrected. The final example of what work isn't here. Today, transacting to buy or sell the personal contact information for individuals or groups of people for purposes such as mar excuse me, marketing or sales is not an equitable appropriation of billable personnel hours. Okay, This type of 
chicanery does not work and it does not serve the market. Moreover, the purported ends to such activity in a marketplace do not generate equitable value and present all the perils noted above. The only worth enjoined by such practices involves forensics and, and intelligence. There's people who are trying to interdict it and correct it and to describe it as anything other than either, number one, a means to do honest, good-faith police work, or two, the creation of a vector for identity theft on a massive scale is to tell a big, fat lie that is, you know, a lie. That's it. L-I-E. Such acts are typically done without consent from or even open two-way dialogue with the victims whose information is being bought and sold for resale. Those whose information is bought and sold are victims of crimes and uh, a crime and identity theft and privacy violation. And this intimacy is not to be trusted to quote-unquote sales associates, foreign or domestic, because the only quote-unquote value such activities provide to quote-unquote sales associates is to attack the position of market entities. Okay, so they're co-opted. Whether they be specific businesses, particular constituencies, you know, uh, particular ways that the that wind blows in given context, even if it is predictive, doesn't mean it should be happening. Particular constituencies, market factions, or sociological demographics, for example, and there is no place for such malicious, clandestine, in poor faith, bad faith activities in an open good faith market where clear and apparent equity of a labor force and its production is the patent emblem. And I, that's all of the editorial that's here, but a couple of paragraphs up, <clears throat> I would look back and interject something that I wrote the other day. I was preparing an interview for Mr. Hess, uh, a run sheet for him to consider. I sent to him. I, I don't know if he's going to, to respond. He's busy campaigning, you know. It's it's it primaries in six days, and the the general election is next month, or the next two months from now approximately, and so I had actually culled this from the questions from because this was about foreign policy and, they, and my question list was getting long, but I'll I'll read it to you and 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 I'll I would have liked to have you know go back and you know interject it in right after the paragraph that said um, you know these are. If you encounter these sorts of things in a marketplace, it is tantamount to an attack on the, you know, the economy or the system that you inhabit and that your neighborhood is a constituent of. So, um, you know, and, and, and I mentioned earlier, and, I, and I'll, there'll be another editorial show when I talk about uh, – uh, taking a census of who's out there, what organizations, what entities, what people, what individuals, what citizens. And, 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 and with that, it makes it, you have to, you know, parse to find out, you know, where a malefactor is. So the question that I had written here, it was in the foreign policy section of, of the govern, governor candidate interview run sheet. If I can't get him on, I'll get another uh, card-carrying capital L libertarian on and put the same question too. But anyway, this was, it was what are some agencies and corporations and, or individuals, entities, which are known co-ops of foreign intelligence operations. What groups or citizens in the United States of America are currently under the control or influence or at risk of such cooperation, and how can it be interdicted and the citizens be involved, if particularly the ignorant ones, which is often how that works, and there's a linchpin to who's ignorant, and the citizens be peaceably informed and enjoined, or is it to understand rather more, you know, instead, is it is to understand one's rights a requisite for citizenship? So, um... I mean, it's that easy to identify somebody who's, you know, it's 
when you're talking about a labor force and you're talking about a currency, somebody comes up and says, give me your money. Give me that script. It's mine. And you haven't entered, you, don't, you haven't negotiated with them, and they're citing some piece of paper somewhere. That's theft, right? And, and people who are gathering up script, U.S. dollars, currency like that, in order to get a bunch of it, in order to do things with it, because they deem it as an end unto itself, and they consider that to be wealth, the tool, the intellectual tool, the appropriation of the agency that is the U.S. dollar. Well, remember, you quicken that. It's just like any other government agency, whether it's a state agency, the agency of Arizona, or the United States agency. That It has no life but that which you give it as a citizen. So anyone who does those things to you or says those things to you, either verbally or in writing, are, they've, they've impeached themselves. It's a problem. And when you, if you can, that's why I mentioned earlier about the, the, the clarification factor that, came about as a result of interviewing Sheriff Matt. When you get that out there, you know, kind of evoked in your in your mind, your cogito, it makes it real easy to you can see them. Wait a minute. These people are not only working these people are either you know, these people are working against me. Everything in this community that you know, and it really it's scary to realize you get people out there, out and out, you know, just trying to just squash you and everything you stand for and your whole little world and your whole neighborhood and they just don't care. And it's when you get right perspective, it's scary in the sense you see how close your feet are to the fire for me. But it's also, you know, heartening to know that, all right, well, you have a, a bona fide position that you are incumbent to as a citizen. And you can, and you, it's up to you. Get up and act. I mean, because right now the tables are turned way against some of us. And I can speak from my own experience, and I can, and I can theorize about others. So, again, thank you, listeners, for streaming or downloading this August 2014 edition of the Odelay Show. I'm Chris Brazewell, which you can find on Facebook at facebook.com slash Show or in the podcast department at iTunes under Odelay with C.G. Brazewell. Or through the really simple syndication syndicated feed at the Brazewell Communications website, www.fusepowder.com. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Brazewell underscore Chris. Also look for my next uh, book, nonfiction, titled uh, Embedded Alive, First Person Journalism in the Continental United States, 2013 and 2014, which is due out in November through the publishing department of Brazewell Communications Incorporated. Uh, this edition of the Odalay Show is brought to you in part by in-kind support from Clear the Bench Arizona and the Will Travel, for Ve- Will Travel for Vegan Food blog and the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association and the Open Carry Kiss-In taking place on Saturday, August 23rd, 2014 at 7 p.m. at Mill Avenue and 3rd Street in Tempe, Arizona. The flyer for the event, which was handed to me, says Freedom to Marry, Freedom to Carry. And last but not least, uh, the Odalay Show is brought to you in part by in-kind support from the Pizza Noir series of sci-fi crime fiction novels penned by author Denver Day and available at www.denverday.com and through Penguin slash Random House Affiliate, X Libris Publishing, local bookstores, Amazon.com, and BarnesandNoble.com. Odalay Show, thanks for listening.